And Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit will captivate our minds and our hearts. And he will empower our wills that we will move towards obedience to you for your glory. And in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I just want us to look at the church in Philippi. We'll just look at it briefly, nothing in detail. And then we will see some implications for us in terms of the way we relate with one another, in terms of service and humble service in particular. So before we come to the passage that was read for us, just have a bit of a background to this church, the, Philippian, uh, the church in Philippi. Acts chapter 16, Paul has been doing ministry, this missionary trips, and he's found himself again in Europe, preached the gospel, and the first church that would be established from his ministry is this particular church. Acts chapter 16. Something really interesting. Let me read from verse 11 to 15. Paul came also, uh, sorry, 11 to 15. So certain sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to cemeteries and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gates to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the, woman who had come, the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Theatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after, some, um, after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be, a faith, uh, to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Look at verse 16 to verse 18. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her own, her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. Now let me read for us 25 to 32. 
is same in Philippi. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the, pre- uh, the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. Everyone's bones were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were open, he threw his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out in a loud, in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for light and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And then the story continues. Why is this very important? Because we are being given a picture of the church in this city. The church is this church that, amongst other people, it has a wealthy, powerful businesswoman called Lydia. And then it has or had a slave girl who was once demon-possessed. And then it had a jailer. The first church through Paul's ministry in Europe, this is the constitution. Socially speaking, they were not in the same class. There was a woman, businesswoman, she had her own house, could host Paul and Silas there. She had people perhaps serving her and working for her. And then there was a slave girl that Paul had basically delivered in the name of Jesus Christ and supposedly had become part of the church. Yes, the the owners of the girl weren't so happy and caused trouble for Paul and Silas. That is why they were in prison in the first place. And then there was the jailer who was there, who also became a Christian. The church here is like any church in history. It is made up of people of different shapes and sizes and colors and classes and status. They are all not the same. Yet somehow, the gospel of Jesus Christ has brought them together. And he is saying to them, Paul is saying to them that all of you, if you start reading the very beginning of Philippians, businesswoman, slave girl, jailer, and all the others in between, You are to come together to be partners in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Partners for gospel advancement. To spread the gospel and to live out this gospel in Philippi. That is what the Lord has brought you together for. Even though you look so different from each other. How can a businesswoman as Lydia and a slave girl and a jailer, live in the same community, belong to the same family in Jesus, and work together for the advancement of the gospel. How is that possible? If you take the world, it is not possible. But how is it possible for them as a gospel community? We are told how that is possible. And I'm going to read for you. 
But enjoy this. I'm going to read from the Message Bible. Um, Eugene Peterson, and the way he paraphrased it. And then I'll come back to the ESV, which I'm preaching from this morning. Now listen to how he put it. If you have gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit, me- of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, Paul says. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, becoming, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredible humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death are that, a crucifixion. I don't know whether you followed carefully what Eugene Peterson, as he translated this same passage, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 11. How is it possible that a wealthy woman, a slave girl, and a jailer will be together in partnership for gospel advancement? He says this, it is this one thing. Be of the same mind. Have the same mind. Have the same mind. What is this mind that he's talking about? It is the mind which is theirs in Christ. It is the mind of Christ. And because they are in Christ, that mind is theirs. And he says, claim it. Have this mind. Let it settle within you, your being. Let it be the driver of the very center of this being. Don't just think about it. Think about it to the point that it affects the way you live. Have one mind. That doesn't mean agree on everything. That's not what he's saying. He's, talking, he's not talking about whether we should put the communion table here or we should put it there. He's not talking about the expression of certain spiritual gifts. That's not where he's going. Not, certainly not here. Maybe there in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about something different. Have this one mind. Businesswoman, slave girl, jailer, have this one mind. If you do that, you will flourish in gospel advancement. So let me read again for us. I'll read quite a bit, but please bear with me. Verse 5, look at verse 5 to verse 8 of chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, 
though was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And then he continues with what God has done. So what is this mind in Christ? Focus on the gospel. Focus on Christ and you'll get the mind. Number one, Christ was God in the human form. When he walked on earth, he was divine. He was God in the human form. Paul is not going to go into the theology of the divinity of Jesus. That's not where he's going. But he wants to point out to a church that has these sorts of classes. That think of Christ if you are going to work together. He was God in a human form when he lived amongst you. Number two, Christ does not see his status as something to take advantage of on earth. He did not go about saying to everybody, you know, I'm God, you know. <laughs> know where you belong. Do you know who I am? And sometimes it is not, do you know who I am verbally? It is acting, do you know who I am? In this place. This is God in the human form. And then he decides that I'm not going to take advantage of my divinity. I am God. Number three, he made himself nothing. Please look at me for a moment. Are you not surprised by this? God in the human form makes himself nothing. That is what Philippians 2 is saying. He made himself nothing. He didn't cease to be God. But he didn't cling on that, that I'm going to lord it over these people. I'm going to show that I made them all. I spoke them into being. Everything into being. He made himself nothing. Number four, not only that, he took the form of a servant. He took the form of a slave. That is the word. He became a servant. Number five, he became a human being. You know what it means for God to become a human being? Human beings with all our limitations. God became a human being in Jesus. He took on the form of humanity. Number six, Christ humbled himself. Some of them are the same and repetition is deliberate. Christ humbled himself. He humbled himself. He was not humbled he humbled himself. He brought himself low. He was the highest beyond the highest. He brought himself low. And listen to this. I think this is number seven. I've lost count. Christ became obedient. Obedient to the Father's will and the Father's purpose. He was obedient. He submitted to the Father's will. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane? When it was so tough, he wished Something had happened. And he said, no, no, not my will, but yours be done, Father. Let's do it. Obedience. And obedience to the point of death. Not just any kind of death. A criminal's death. The most shameful of all deaths at that time. Crucifixion. That is Christ. That is what he became. And so Paul is painting this picture to this church that has these three categories of people. Maybe there are others in between, as I said. 
what does then what does this Christ, Christ being like this, Christ humbling himself, Christ becoming obedient, Christ setting aside his own interest, Christ looking out for the interests of others, what does it mean for the church of this nature? It means this. It means have the mind of Christ. Have the attitude of Christ. Have the posture of Christ if you are in Christ. Verse 3. Look at verse 3. Verse 3, he says that do nothing from selfish ambition of, or conceit. Vain conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. This is unnatural. This is not natural to our nature. You don't count others more significant than yourself. You count yourself significant. If you are doing better, you count them as significant as you are. Here he says, the mind of Christ works out like this. You begin to count others more significant than yourself. We were no more significant than Christ. He was God in human form. And yet somehow he positions himself as though we were more significant than himself. Why would you go through all these things for sinners? They are no more significant than you. He said, it's okay. I'm here to serve them. I'm here to rescue them. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. How does it look like? Have the mind of Christ. How does the mind of Christ look like among us as people who are in him? It means walking in gospel humility. I deliberately didn't say walking in humility. There is surface humility. And then there is humility. I'm talking about this humility. Gospel humility, where you think, you think about Christ, you think about God in human form, who emptied himself, became nothing, became a servant, and served, and served, and obeyed, and obeyed, even to the point of shameful, disgraceful death he didn't deserve. Sinners deserved it. And so, if this is the gospel that captivates your mind and your heart and your whole being, you begin to walk in gospel humility. That means humility that is born out of focusing on Jesus and what he has done. If he did this, I'm not doing anybody a favor by serving their interests. How does this mind look like? It, may, it looks like lifting others higher, not yourself. Brothers and sisters, this is hard. Lifting others higher, promoting others, put them at the front as well. And don't be afraid that they would, they, people will begin to <laughs> start talking about them too and not talking about you as much. It's okay. So long as that serves Lydia, so long as that serves slave, slave girl, so long as that serves jailer for the advancement of the gospel, it's okay. Look at Jesus and you'll be able to persevere. How does this mind actually look like? It looks like verse 4. Verse 4 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your interests matter. Thank God. Your own interests, your own building up. But don't be preoccupied by that alone. Think communally. 
Think how others will be built up, not just you. Is this difficult? Yes, it is, naturally. It is very, very difficult, especially when you have had the experience of serving people and not being acknowledged for it. If that is your experience in the past, know that it's going to be a hindrance. It's going to stand in the way. Or worse still, if you have served people before and they paid you back with, either you were back, back I was going to say backbited, <laughs> backbitten, don't laugh, you Sarah. If something happened, brothers and sisters, you will look at people and say, if you don't say they don't deserve it, you say, let me preserve myself. This is self-preservation. Jesus didn't preserve himself. He knew that coming to these people, they will kill me. But I'm going to serve them. I'm going to be disgraced on their behalf. Gospel mindset. But it is hard, but we are not alone. That is the beauty of the gospel. That the Lord calls us to obedience, and yet the resource comes back to him. It comes back to him. The resource is the gospel itself. Let me read for you verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That mindset is in Christ Jesus. It is yours in him. It is not outside of him. It is not being invited to something you have to go and now conjure and try hard and be toiled and be annoyed by people and then eventually you give up. That mindset is in the gospel itself. It is yours in Jesus. It is yours in Christ. That mindset, claim it. You are a child of God. You are in Christ. It is yours in him. It is not in you. It is not in him. It is in Jesus. What does it mean? It means turning to God to help you. God, help us. If this is the mind of Christ, the mindset you're calling us to, the attitude of life you're calling us to, in the way we relate with one another and with our neighbors, naturally we can't. But the resource is in you. Help us. Help us. And that is why Paul knows it. And I'm finishing. Paul knows it. And he says earlier in this same book, chapter 1, verse 6, he says, He who has begun a good work in you, he who, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus. The resource is with him. Help us. You have begun the good work. Again, he would say, chapter 2, verse 13, work out your own salvation. Let this mindset be visible in the way you live. He didn't say work for your own salvation. He said work out, let it show, let it be visible. Because it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And so the resource comes back to God. When he paints this amazing, glorious picture, of servants like Jesus. If you look to your own resources, you give up. If you look to people, you will give up before you start. Don't look at people. Don't look at people. Don't wait for thank you. Don't wait to be sort of 
upheld high. You won't get it. Or you'll get it for a moment and we'll take it back. And when we take it back, we'll take and take what we haven't given also from you. That you are fully and completely destroyed. So don't look at us. Look to Jesus. Think constantly about the gospel of Christ. Christ set his interest aside, considered the interest of sinners, came, lived, obeyed, died for sinners, so that sinners by faith in him might be rescued from the power of sin and hell, death. Christ, our Lord. So what are we being called to do? As I finish, what are we really being called to do? We are being called from this by the Holy Spirit to be gospel community. People who, um, whose life together and individually when we scatter, whose lives are being shaped by Jesus, by what he did, by the good news. We are to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Let me say this to you. Strategies. Vision. Thank God for them. Thank God some people are doing some praying and some thinking. But there is no way it will get anywhere. There is no way we will flourish. If this mind that is ours in Christ doesn't permeate every aspect of our being. If it doesn't shape the way we lead, the way we serve, the way we relate, the way we do everything, both together and in our families and everywhere, if it doesn't forget about vision, I would rather have a church that is shaped by this mindset than a church that has a clear vision but does not have this mindset. This mindset will obviously produce fruit even when it appears they don't know what they're about. If that is all they go for, there will be fruits. The Spirit will work through this because it glorifies God. If this is all about us, forget it. And so I'm appealing to you before we launch into the deep, as it were. Please, brothers and sisters, have this mindset. Pray the Holy Spirit puts this mindset, it's always in Christ, drives it home in every fiber of our being. It will affect every aspect of your life. You will serve better, not only in the church. You will serve your wife better. You will serve your children better. You serve your husband better. You will be like Christ to each other. The vision will only flourish if we have the mind of Christ. So in finishing, let me read for you this. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or I am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, the mind of Christ, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I want us to do a small exercise. Then I'll sit, we'll take our offering, and then we'll close. Please stand for a moment. And as I read chapter 1, verse 27 again, we'll do some little exercise here. When you hear shoulder to shoulder, okay? 
Those of don't leave any gap here. Move closer to each other so that our shoulders are at the same level. Our shoulders. Don't let any shoulder be ahead. Some of you are taller. Please, for this one, come down a little bit so that the shoulders are the same level. All right, so listen. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving, the, the words, the expression side by side is shoulder to shoulder. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Can we please come together? No, no, no. Please, please, so that there's no gap here. Collins, you may need to come down small. No, no, get, get it there. Get it there. Let, let no shoulder go above the other. Yes, stand around glory. It's okay. It's okay. You know what he's saying? You know what he's saying? Shoulder to shoulder, side by side. One is not higher than the other. It doesn't matter their status in the world. It doesn't matter the accomplishment. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are standing as colleagues, as brothers and sisters, no hierarchy at all. Christ himself being our supreme example, who humbled himself, and then we forge ahead together in that mindset of Jesus. Gospel humility. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that you will please drive home this. Many other things in Jesus. That is ours, but we haven't appropriated. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.